You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby from Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is The Prayer Podcast. Welcome back. Good morning, everybody. It's so wonderful to be here. We're resuming our prayer podcast series. And last week, we started going through some of the pieces of Talmud that talk about the frame of mind that one needs to have with prayer. We're going to see a lot about that today from various Talmudic sources that share with us the perspective, the frame of mind that one should have when coming to prayer. The Midrash says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu Maz Yisrael, the Almighty, warned the Jewish people, when you pray before me, before the Almighty, don't have two hearts. One for the Almighty, where we talk directly to God, and one where we're busy with other things. Meaning, a person has to be very, very careful. I'm talking to God. I'm not busy with anything else. I'm not texting on my phone with my friends. I'm not reading the news. I'm not busy thinking about other thoughts. I'm fully present, fully present in my prayer. Now the Talmud continues. It says, And to serve God with all of your hearts, right? The Talmud, the the Midrash continues, This is the focus that one needs to have in prayer, the kavana that one needs to have in prayer. That a person's heart should not be split with different things while praying. When one prays, it should be only prayer. I'm talking to God. Clear my mind. Clear my schedule. Clear all of my distractions and just be focused on one thing, my conversation with God. The Midrash continues. This is a sign for prayer. If a person had focus and intention in his prayer, he is guaranteed that his prayer will be heard and answered. Proper focus, without distraction. It's a promise. Muftach, it's a promise that a person's prayer will be heard and accepted when they have clarity and focus without any type of distraction. We know from the Talmud, the Talmud says, One should only pray with a seriousness of mind. What does that mean, a seriousness of mind? That means, you know, imagine if you're about to uh, meet somebody that you're trying to persuade them to hire you. So what do you do? You make sure you dress yourself properly. You make sure you prepare all of your story of your your CV, your resume, and you make sure that you have all the details properly. You prepare about your history in the in the market, in the field that you're being, uh, you know, asked about. You prepare before you take the test, whatever test it is. You make sure you prepare, you review, you make sure you got your notes all clear. You try to do everything you can to be on your best behavior. When we stand in front of the Almighty. What we need to do is recognize that we're standing in front of the creator of heaven and earth and we need to be without any, we're all in, we're zoned in, we're focused. And that's what the Talmud says, you got to be with a seriousness of mind. That we don't have anything, no hiccups, 
We're on our interview with God, creator of heaven and earth. So you're not allowed to pray when you're sad. And not when you're lazy. Oh, I really don't want to pray. I'm not in the mood. And not out of too much laughter. Mockery. You're busy laughing from the uh, show that you watch, the late night show, and you're laughing, and you got, oh, I got to pray the evening service. And you're busy laughing. You're thinking about the comedy show that you just saw. Not within, in middle of conversation. And not with lightheadedness. And not with idle chatter. Oh, you're busy schmoozing with your friends. Oh, how's work? How are things? Oh, let me pray now. No, no, no. You got to have how do you pray? With joy. With the joy of fulfilling a mitzvah. What is a mitzvah? We've talked about this many times. What is a mitzvah? A mitzvah is something that brings us closer to God. What is a sin? Something that distances us from God. God gives us an entire pathway in the Torah with 613 different tools of how to attain that closeness with God. Every mitzvah is a tool to get closer. Every sin, every prohibition is a mitzvah to keep us away from distancing ourselves. What happens if someone eats something which isn't kosher? Does a lightning come from the heavens and just take them out? Poof, poof, they're gone. No. But what do we do? We're creating a barrier between us and God. By eating something that God says don't eat, God says you're you're ruining the ingredients that keep us close. It's like you try to follow a recipe and the recipe calls for two uh, tablespoons of uh, sugar. You're like, no, I'm going to put two tablespoons of salt because I like salt. Right? Is the recipe going to come out good? Most likely it's not. Why? You're not following the recipe. It's not going to be tasty. But I like salt. I know you like salt. But that's not how the recipe works. God gives us the recipe for our relationship with him. Sadness is not part of it. You're feeling down and depressed. That's not the time to talk to God like that. You have to come out of joy. How do we come out of joy if I'm not happy? Well, why aren't you happy? You're not happy because likely you're not grateful. You're not thankful for all the amazing things that Hashem gives you. Why are you sad? You're sad because you think it's me. It's me, 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 me. And you see the shortcomings of that me. That makes you sad. Oh, I'm not this and I'm not that. Makes us upset. But if we realize that everything is from Hashem, what do we have to be upset about? Hashem, you're guiding me. It's not the way I see it. Let me chisel away at that arrogance. Like we mentioned in our Parsha review, chisel away at the arrogance of feeling it's all me. Prayer, we come to God with prayer with a clarity of understanding that everything is from Hashem. And then there's nothing to be upset about. We come with joy. We come with happiness. We come with a confidence. Everything is the hands of Hashem. Imro Adam shehispalu v'lo na'ana the Talmud 32a intracted brachot says, if you prayed and you see that your prayers weren't answered, you know what you have to do? Go back and pray again. 
and again, and again, and don't stop. Because your prayers are always answered. You don't, you don't see or hear the response? Pray again. It's like your child. Your child is asking for a lollipop. You say, no. What do they do? They just walk away and they say, okay, you said no. No, that's not what they do. They say, oh, I want a lollipop. I said, no, I want a lollipop. I want a lollipop. What do you do? You cry and you cry and you cry till they give you a lollipop. We have to learn from children. We want a lollipop in our lives. We want that goodness. God says, no, now is not the right time. So what do we do? We say, okay, God said no. Or he, I guess he just didn't hear me. No, he heard you. But if you really want something, you continue to pray and pray and pray relentlessly. Shabbat says, okay, I have no choice. I got to give it to you. Now, a person has to be careful about that because you don't want God to give you something that's not good for you. You asked for that job. You asked to marry that person and perhaps it wasn't a good match for you. So you have to be careful not to pray for something specific like that. Say, Hashem, I want this job. Hashem, I want the best job for me. Hashem, I want the right person to marry. Not this person. If this person is the right person, it should, it should go quickly and smoothly. Give me the signs to be understanding and to see with clarity that this is the right thing for me. But not to pray, Hashem, help me marry this person. The person has to be very careful about that. Sages tell us that prayer without kavana, without focus and intention, is like a body without a soul. We know a body can't function without a soul. It's like, think of body and a soul could be like a remote control. Does a remote work without the batteries? Well, you can have the remote and sit there all day and try to press the button. It's not going to work if you don't have batteries inside. Our neshama is the battery. Our body is the remote. The same thing is with prayer. If we try to pray, but there's nothing in it, there's no focus and intention, you can be, you're pressing around, Praying all day, but without the proper focus and intention, it's not going to work. So our sages teach us. If someone extends in his prayer, prays, not in a rush, not quickly. We're not rushing anywhere. Talk it out with God. Expand your words of prayer. Elaborate in your prayer. Guaranteed, your prayers will not come back empty. Talmud says, I had to look up this Talmud. The Talmud says in Yoma 29a that the prayer of the righteous is like a young deer. It says, that as long as its antlers are growing, they continue to split. It says, so too, the prayers of the righteous, as long as they pray, their prayers continue to be heard. The Talmud says an amazing thing, that one of the great sages would pray for those who were sick. And he knew from his prayers who would be healed and who would fall to their illness. The Talmud says that if the prayers came out smoothly, he knew this person's prayers, the prayers for their healing was going to be accepted and they'd be healed. But if there was complications in his expression, he wasn't able to articulate it clearly, 
then it would bring about Ill, the, the illness would bring about to their death. They would fall to their illness. We see that there's a there's there's an, a power to the prayers, particularly the prayers of the righteous, the prayers of the righteous, and we know that each one of us are called by the Mishnah, kulam tzadikim, and your nation, the nation of Israel, they're all righteous. I just read something so beautiful from one of the soldiers who fell yesterday in the tragic incident in Gaza. He wrote a message to his family that if he were to die or be taken in captive, he writes, do not negotiate for my release under any circumstances. Don't release terrorists because of my captivity. I'm willing, it's, it's an unbelievable, imagine, he's willing to give up his entire life and ultimately did. For what? For the safety of his brothers and sisters in the land of Israel. May his memory and all the memory of all of our fallen soldiers be a blessing. It's unbelievable the selflessness that people have. Halavai, that any of us could be at such a high level, to be willing to give up our lives, Al-Kiddush Hashem, to give up our lives for the sake of God, for the sake of our people, for the sake of our land. What holy people. Such a simple soldier, the holiest, the most cherished, the most precious from our our young. The Talmud now continues in Brachot 32b and says there are four things that need constant, constant refreshing. Four things, and one of them is prayer. Prayer. Prayer needs constant, constant, constant rejuvenation, refreshing. You think, oh, well, I, I listened to uh, the Parsha podcast, the, the prayer podcast. I listened to the prayer podcast and I learned about prayer and I learned about each of the prayers and now I'm good to go. No, we got to go back to it again and again and again. It's great for someone to participate. It's great for someone to learn, to listen to the podcast, watch the videos. Great. But that's not enough. It needs constant refreshing. That's the reality of prayer. Because we get used to it. We get into a rote. We get into a habit. No, it's not enough that we learned it once. We've got to learn it again and again and again. The Talmud here reminds us. It's one of the four things that needs constant refreshing. Shloshe dvarim, there are three things that hamarich bohem marich shaladam. That the more you elaborate, the more you extend them, the longer your years will be. You'll, God will extend your life. You extend in those areas, God will extend your life. One of them is Hamarich Bitfila. The more we extend our prayer, God says, I will extend your life. And it's obvious because God loves our prayers. God loves our relationship. And when we show our commitment and our dedication to our relationship with God, God says, I want more of that. We say in the, in the Shema, to serve Hashem with all our hearts. 
Is there a heart labor? What do we? What does it mean? And we should serve God. What? How do we serve God with our heart? What does our heart do physically? Our heart is pumping. What is? What are we doing with our heart? Sages tell us that prayer. Prayer needs to come from the heart. It's the labor. It's the work. It's the toil of the heart. The Talmud in Yerushalmi says, "Im kivanta If you focused your heart in prayer. You should know you spoke with your heart. Just know your prayers are being heard. Your prayers are being heard. Now, every morning we have a special Mishnah that we recite. Mishnah in Tractate Shabbat. It says, These are the precepts whose fruits a person enjoys in this world, but whose principle remains intact for him in the world to come. So imagine your investment. The principle will stay forever in the world to come. You've got it. The interest is your reward in this world. You're able to live off the interest in this world. What are those things? They are the honor due to father and mother, acts of kindness, early attendance to the house of study, Morning and evening, hospitality to guests, visiting the sick, the sick, providing for a bride, escorting the dead, all of these mitzvahs, you get the reward in the world to come. But you get the added benefits, the interest you get in this world. And iyun tefillah, the absorption or the investment in prayer. The looking deep into prayer is one of those things that you will, the reward for it will be in the world to come. An unbelievable reward, but you'll also have the benefits here as well. You'll have the interest, the added benefits will all be here in this world. Then we talk about bringing peace between man and his fellow, between man and his wife, and the study of Torah is equivalent to them all. So the Talmud says here that of these things, Prayer. Prayer is so powerful. What is prayer? I understand honoring parents, visiting the sick. I understand all of that. What is the great power of prayer? That it's so special. It's so special that when one prays, your reward is not only in this world, but your reward is also in the world to come. Because prayer means I'm recognizing every day who my creator is, who's really in charge, and what's going on here in this world. And when I invest in that, the reward will be so great in the world to come. But in this world too, you'll have tremendous reward. Imagine living a stress-free life. No anxiety, no worry, no problems. You know why? I got a very good friend who takes care of everything for me. Everything. You know his name? God. He's got, he's got it all covered. Every one of my needs takes care of for me. I have nothing to worry about. I know that he will handle it. What, what an amazing life to live. That we can all merit by investing in our prayer. And I commend each and every one of you 
whether it's those who are here live, those on Zoom, those who are listening on podcast or watching the video, that we're taking the time and we're making the investment in learning our prayers. What are the words that we're actually going to say? This is so in, in, such an amazing opportunity for us, and I, I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to work and hopefully prepare and spend all that time crystallizing these ideas of prayer so that it helps me and hopefully all of our listeners and participants grow in this area of life. This unbelievable power of prayer shouldn't be taken for granted. This power of prayer is the greatest weapon we have because all prayers are heard. All prayers are answered. It's an amazing thing that the prayers of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, our matriarchs, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah are the prayers that protect us now. What they prayed thousands of years ago. Our ancestors who prayed, prayed that their children should be successful and their grandchildren and their great-great-grandchildren and their great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren. And we shouldn't be blind to the fact that our prayers will have an impact on our future generations. The prayers that we pray, yes, pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your future, future, future generations. That power we have, each and every one of us has that within ourselves, the ability to pray for unbelievable things for our children and grandchildren. We're all a link in a chain. We're a link leading all the way back. And we're part of that link for our future. And when we pray for them, the unbelievable powers, I remember I was in camp in the former Soviet Union. I was a counselor, and one of the great privileges that I have I had being there was having the privilege of teaching these young children how to read Hebrew, how to pray, how to put on tefillin, how to prepare their own tzitzis and to wear them. It was uh, teach them blessings, teach them prayers. It was unbelievable. I remember one of the students we found out was a great, 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 great grandchild of one of the unbelievable Torah scholars of yesteryear. And I, I remember with trepidation helping this young child, 13 years old, put on his tefillin for the first time. And I remember thinking to myself, who knows what prayers, who knows what prayers of his great, 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 great grandmother is his merit that had him come to this Jewish camp having had zero exposure to Judaism to now be reintroduced to Judaism. Who knows? The power. The Talmud says that one should be very careful, a teacher should be very careful, the Mishnah in Ethics of Our Fathers, that tells us a person should be very careful about taking credit of their student's growth in Judaism. You think it's you. The Mishnah says, It's really their ancestors' prayers that's really helping them. 
You think it's you. Oh, I'm such a great lecturer. I'm such a great speaker. I'm I have such a the power of influence. Look at all of my students. Look how far they've come. It's all my great teachings. No, 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 the Mishnah says. It's their ancestors' prayers, their ancestors' tears that impacted their growth here. That's each and every one of us, the, the merits that we can bring about for our descendants. Those that are living and those who are not yet alive, those who are not yet born, pile up in their file, in the heavens, their prayers for them. Hashem, for all of my future descendants, guide them in the right way. Protect them physically. Protect them spiritually. This is our power that we have in our prayers. And this is the most important thing for us to learn, I believe, from all of these introductions from the Talmud, whether it be the Babylonian Talmud, the Jerusalem Talmud, the Mishnah, the Midrash, guiding us on this one path, the power that we have to influence generations to come that we don't even know about yet. Hashem should bless us all. That we should have the right intention, the right focus. We should have the clarity of understanding that everything is the hand of Hashem. We should have the clarity to understand that we are just mortal men. We come to this world for a limited amount of time. We check in at a certain date and we check out a certain date. And that's it we have. Of that amount of time that we have, we have such incredible power to influence the heavens. Each one of us, if we can take the time this week, spend a few minutes writing a list of the things you need to pray for, for your own self, for your spouse, for your children, for your parents, for your grandchildren, for your neighbors, for your friends, for our soldiers, for the Jewish people, for the world. Write them out. So that when we come to prayer, we pull out a sheet and have clarity. Hashem, I know someone who needs healing. Hashem, I know someone who's looking for a job. Hashem, I know someone who's in a difficult marriage. Hashem, someone who's looking for marriage. I know someone who's dealing with a challenge in their personal life. They're struggling. They have, quote, demons in their life. Challenges. We can pray and we can add merits to their lives. Hashem should help us all. That we should be great conduits for the the Jewish people to grow, to connect, to see with clarity the hand of Hashem every single day. Amen. Yes, sir. That's an excellent question. How do we reconcile uh, when it says that the gates of heaven are never closed for tears? How do we say that you can't pray out of sadness when we hear tragic stories and we want to pray and we need to pray and we're sad? So there's a difference between being sad and feeling the pain we're crying out of pain we're happy because we know that everything is the hand of Hashem pain is a very good thing pain is a very good potent messenger it's a prophecy and yes it can make us sad but we need to understand 
that everything is the hand of Hashem. We don't know. These people, these soldiers are the holiest of the holy. And we have to recognize that they're in such a great place right now. It's painful for us. It's painful for their families. But it's pain. There's a difference when someone is sad is that they're they're disconnected. And we have to be more connected. These when when we see someone who's struggling, we should be in pain for their struggle. Sadness means I'm 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 too into myself to realize that Hashem is the big hand that handles everything that goes on. It's like it, it's out of my power, so I'm so sad. Nothing's in our power. It's all the hand of Hashem. Hashem orchestrates everything. And yes, it pains us greatly. And we cry to Hashem out of pain. Hashem, please stop inflicting this pain on us. I can't tell you how many people I spoke to today that hearing this news of these 21 soldiers, it just tears your heart. And it's not only these 21 soldiers, it's the 221 that have been martyred since the beginning of this operation. And the 300 that were before that that were killed on Sibhas Torah. It's tragedy. But Hashem wants to wake us up. We don't understand why. We don't understand what's going on, but that's what we need to do is cry to Hashem. And you're right. There is no prayer. It says the gates of tears are never closed. I tell my children if they cry because they stubbed their toe, they cry because their sibling hit them. Say, you know what a privilege you have? Obviously, I try to console them, but what a privilege you have that you're crying because the gates of tears are open. Throw in a prayer. You have the opportunity. When we're crying, the gates of heaven are wide open. And let's utilize it. Let's feel that responsibility for one another. It's not their problem. I was once, I once heard a rabbi say almost complete heresy. He was saying how the Jews of Israel have a problem as if it's their problem, not our problem. And I went over to him after. I said, how dare you say such a thing that it's the Jews of Israel that it's their problem. It's our problem. This is us. This is not them. He said, well, we're not carrying the guns. This is so stupid. It's our problem. These are our brothers and sisters. These are our children. And to feel that this is their problem, and we're just going to, we'll help them in prayer. No, this is our problem. These are our sons and daughters. Hashem should help us all. We should, our prayers should be accepted, and we should pour out our hearts. Every single synagogue around the world is adding extra psalms, extra prayers for our brothers and sisters. We should do it in our own personal prayer. Hashem, help your people. Help your soldiers. Help us all. Protect us all. The three people just attacked yesterday in, in London. Jews for being Jewish. We think that we're safe because we're in Houston, Texas and everyone carries a gun. We need Hashem's protection and we ask Hashem every day. We need to ask Hashem. 
Hashem protect us and protect all of our brothers and sisters. We need Hashem's help. Thank you. Great question. So it's a good question of, of whether or not when you pray and you're feeling that your own prayers are being selfish but praying for others is more powerful. That's a great thing if someone is able to feel at such a high level the pain of another person. That's, that's really incredible. And that's what we hope to reach that level of, of sensitivity that we feel the pain. Imagine the pain of a mother who receives that message that her child was just killed on the battlefield. That pain. Imagine if we're that parent and start crying and, and, and feel that pain. That prayer, you know how powerful that prayer is? To get out of our own selves, our own selfish lives and to feel what someone else is experiencing. There's nothing more powerful than that. God loves that more than anything else. And then you could say, you know what, after God, I'm praying for all the soldiers. Please throw me a bone. Help me too. But the, but the truth is, we need to pray not only for the soldiers, but for their families, for their brothers and their sisters and their children and their parents and the Jewish nation. We are blind. You know, there's, there's great solutions to the whole Gaza problem. Why don't our elected leaders in Israel see that? We, we all know, if I went around the table here and asked our friends online what they thought is a solution for Gaza, I guarantee you we'll have a solution in five minutes. What, the people in, in the Knesset don't see it? They don't get it? The defense minister doesn't understand? You, you think the, 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 uh, the head of the military doesn't understand? No, Hashem is controlling us and Hashem is not giving them the clarity to understand what needs to be done. So they're playing cat and mouse with the terrorists. We, we are so careful. I'm getting onto a little political rant here. But we're so careful not to kill a civilian. Who's a civilian there? Not one. Every single one voted for Hamas. Every single one is a member of Hamas. Oh, they're innocent people. What innocent people? Who's innocent there? I'm sorry. It's, uh, it's, un, it's unfathomable. And you know what? The UN should burn. Burn down to, to ashes. Who needs the UN? There are a bunch of terrorists too. In the middle of a war? They're condemning Israel? Tell me one nation on earth that is as civil, that is as ethical as the IDF. I hope the UN gets erased from the face of this earth. And all the nations, by the way, that are going up against Israel, this is their chance. I'm telling you, the Talmud says, I want to learn this Talmud, thinking Talmud is this week. The Talmud says that the nations of the world are going to come when the Messiah comes. They're going to say, oh, we want our reward for all the great things we did for the Jewish people. Messiah is going to say, well, what did you do for the Jewish people? When there was a war in Gaza, what did you say? Oh, you condemned Israel. You weren't for Israel. This is the chance for the nations of the world. And they're going to pay a price for it. I have no mercy. You're not allowed to have mercy on those who are, on those who are cruel. And that's cruelty. When you don't see evil, that's cruel. The Talmud says that if you are merciful to the cruel, you'll end up being cruel to the merciful. 
And what we're seeing in this world is just a world upside down. I have a perfect solution, by the way. And the solution is 24 hours. And we declare it. And I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the United States says. If I was prime minister, this would be my ultimatum. So you have 24 hours to release every single one of our hostages. And if they're not, the place is gone. Try us. And you know what will happen? I believe every single one of those hostages will be sitting and waiting at the at the entrance to Israel. Because if they know that we're serious, they listen to that. The Muslims don't understand nice. They only understand force. Hashem should protect us all. What do we know? It's, it's a crazy world. It's a crazy world we're living in. All right, my dear friends, have a magnificent day. Go pray. We all need prayers. The Jewish people need prayers.